We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today is Wednesday, July the 13th, 2022, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. On today's show, we continue along the 2022 season preview series. On today's show, I talk South Carolina's defense heading into kickoff, guys. First things first, I'll look back at how Carolina fared a season ago. Also, we'll talk key departures, key returners, notable newcomers, also top storylines for the upcoming season, why they'll be better, why they'll be worse, season will be successful if, and I'll give my prediction for the 2022 unit as well. Also, guys, news and notes to get into, including participants who will be joining Shane Beamer at next week's SEC Media Days have been announced. I'll give my full thoughts on that. And also, the Yardcocks picking up a big commitment yesterday on the bump from a transfer from Notre Dame. Very exciting pickup and one that I think will help South Carolina next season. Again, I'll give my full thoughts on that, guys. We've got a packed show for you here on this Wednesday. And of course, as always, it's brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app. Go to SeatGeek.com. And when you do, use the promo code SPURSUP to save $20 off your first purchase of any purchase of $50 or more. Guys, they've got tickets to anything and everything you need, whether it be Gamecock sporting events, concerts, comedy club events, you name it, they got it. Also, they got what's called a deal score, both on their app and their website. So when you're searching for tickets, they're going to tell you exactly how much you're paying, where you're sitting. So, you know, hey, am I getting a steal? Am I getting ripped off? You're going to know when you click that buy button that you're getting the absolute best bang for your buck. So again, guys, it's our friends over at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app. Go to SeatGeek.com. And when you do, use that promo code SPURSUP. That's S-P-R-S-U-P to save $20 off your first purchase of any purchase of $50 or more. Let's get it. Must come to an end at some point. 
And as I sit here today talking to you all, just know this is the end of an era, but an exciting new beginning is upon us. This show you are hearing is officially the last podcast recorded in the studio in which I started back when I moved to Columbia in August of 2019. And every show, each and every single podcast you hear from here on out will be in our new location and in our new studio. Those details to come very, very soon. Folks, happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up show as always in a bit of an emotional episode for yours truly as I sit here right now. Of course, as you all know, I'm in the midst of a move. I sit here right now in practically an empty studio. As I look around me, the walls are barren. All of the memorabilia has been taken down. 95% of what was in this room has been packed. And we set our sights towards a new venture and a new location and a new beginning. And the, uh, the evolution of TSUS, my personal evolution, continues. And uh, so, so it's something where it's not going to affect you guys on your end. But for me personally, you know, yesterday being the final Daily Crow ever in this studio, the final live show ever in this studio, and uh, this being the final podcast that we will ever record in this studio, it's crazy, man. Time flies when you're having fun. I think back all the great content we've made in this setting, all the legendary shows, the countless hours of content and business moves we made and, and successes that we've had. It's incredible. But excited for the next chapter, excited for the journey because the joy is in the journey. And again, guys, I appreciate you all tuning in and just being along for the ride. Again, guys, hope this show does find you well. I don't where you are, what you're doing. we got a packed show, a lot to get into. The season preview series rolls on here on a Wednesday. Before we dive into everything, guys, really quickly, a couple quick reminders. First things first, I told you before, no Daily Crow the rest of this week. Today, tomorrow, Friday, again, with so many moving pieces with the move. Also, I've got family stuff coming on my brother who's in the Army. God bless him. He is in town from Alaska until Saturday, and I felt like, you know what? If I just had the move, I probably would have made the Daily Crow work at least today and Friday. But I just felt like, you know what, my brother's in town for four or five days. We have not seen him in six months. Who knows when the next time is we'll get to see him. So I felt like it was important to spend that time with family. However, of course, the podcast is unaffected and content will continue to bleed out of the eyeballs. You guys already know how we rock and roll here. Also on that note, by the way, no Daily Crow today, but tonight we are still live at Tin Roof, 6 to 8. We will take your questions, your comments, your calls, Tin Roof in the Vista, uh, $3 drafts, $3 rumple, $3 fireball as well. Great food, great people, great times. We always have a great time on Wednesday nights at Tin Roof. So that can kind of serve as our Daily Crow for Wednesday, but no Daily Crow throughout the rest of the week. And a podcast will drop on its normal schedule on Friday as we talk special teams. Also, guys, no interview on this show today. I am actually interviewing Phil Steele. You're probably familiar with that name, a friend of the show. He obviously drops one of the best preseason magazines each and every single summer before kickoff. I am having Phil Steele on the show 
today as you are hearing this that interview will drop along with the friday podcast so just to give you an idea you will hear from phil Steele, and very excited to pick his brain on his thoughts on this game cox football team heading into the season with that being said folks let's go ahead and dive into it because again we're continuing along with the 2022 season preview series and on today's show we're talking about the side of the ball that really carried this South Carolina football team last year, and that is Clayton White and this defensive unit. Before we look ahead of this season, let's look back at how the Gamecocks fared a season ago. And again, it was a year of overachieving and over overachieving on expectations because when I looked back at my notes coming into the 2021 season, I thought this was going to be a defense that was not going to be very good. When you looked at the losses in the secondary, I thought the secondary might have been the weakest position group going into the year. I thought you'd see a defense that would average giving up around 30 points per game. I mean, they gave up 36 points per game in the 2020 season, but the strides they made in year one under Clayton White, an absolutely masterful job by he and his defensive staff. The Gamecocks gave up just 24 points per game, which ranked seventh in the SEC and 46th nationally. On the field, yardage-wise, 355.8 yards per game, which ranked sixth in the SEC and 41st nationally. We're also talking about a unit that got the ball off of people at an extremely high rate, both through the air and fumbles as well. 24 total turnovers forced in 2021, which ranked at the top of the SEC. So again, it was an opportunistic defense. It was a defense that, was it perfect all the time? No. And of course, it was the run defense that really suffered and was the eyesore. But overall, it was a fantastic job by Clayton White to get the most out of what he had. I I think most parties would agree that he did more with less in regards to talent and personnel. And you feel like they have upgraded at multiple positions going into this season. Guys, with that being said, let's look at the key departures, the key returners and the notable newcomers. We'll start With departures, and of course, you got to start with Jalen Foster, the man that led this team in tackles. He led this team in interceptions, and he was a turnover machine for South Carolina. You then look at the defensive line, edge J.J. Inigbari, and while he did not have the season, and I think a lot of us expected four and a half sacks total, he did go in the NFL draft, and he was a threat for you on the edge. You didn't look at defensive lineman Jabari Ellis, who was a factor in the middle, linebacker Damani Staley, who made, I think, still one of the most underrated plays of the 2021 football season, that pick six in that game against East Carolina. Defensive back Carlins Platel is also at the next level, and then linebacker and defensive back Jamar Brown, who the Gamecocks lost to transfer. He is now at Coastal Carolina. You look at key returners, and guys, the Gamecocks returned seven total starters on defense, but they return a lot of guys with experience. And just going down this list, defensive back Cam Smith, defensive back Darius Rush, defensive lineman Jordan Strawn, defensive lineman Zach Pickens, defensive lineman Alex Huntley, defensive lineman Jordan Birch, defensive lineman Rick Sandage, linebacker Sherrod Green, defensive back David Spaulding, defensive back Marcellus Dow Jr., linebacker Mo Caba, linebacker Debo Williams, defensive lineman Tonka Hemingway, and then safety R.J. Roderick, R.J. back for like his 17th year in Columbia. But either way, as you can tell from that list, guys, and again, as we go through the next couple of weeks and the final 52 days leading up to kickoff, I will eventually dive into my position unit preview series. And so I'll talk a lot more in depth about a lot of these guys I just mentioned, but there is a lot of valuable returning experience. I mean, again, led by arguably the best defensive back in college football and Cam Smith and some other big-time leaders that stepped up for you a year ago. There are a lot of pieces, a lot of quality pieces for Clayton White and his defensive staff 
to work with. Finally, you look at the notable newcomers because the Gamecocks, they didn't just add players in the transfer portal on the offensive side. Defensively, you added some pieces. First, you got to start a course with safety. Devonnie Reed, who I think has been brought in from Central Michigan to fill in the void that Jalen Foster left. You then look at defensive lineman Terrell Dawkins, the transfer from NC State, who last year was injured, but in 2020 had a fantastic season for the Wolfpack. Maybe he can boost you up front. You then look at freshman defensive back Anthony Rose. I think a guy that's going to play a lot. Freshman linebacker Stone Blanton should factor in the rotation. Then freshman defensive back Keenan Nelson Jr., the prize recruit out of Philadelphia. I think those three freshmen will play a lot, but not quite as much new blood on the defensive side as on the offensive side because, again, I just think defensively you return a lot of your key pieces. But certainly of the guys I mentioned, there are some dudes in that group that I think certainly should help this defense out immensely in this season. Guys, we're going to get into our top storylines for the upcoming 2022 football season. Before we do, though, when you're watching the Gamecocks, why not make some money in the process? That's what our friends over at Price Picks are helping you do. Guys, go download the Price Picks app, or go to pricepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS at sign up to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Guys, Price Picks is the simplest fantasy game in the market focused around prop total entries. Here's how it works you pick two to five players, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks optimizers or mass multi-entry it's literally just you against the projection price picks allows mixed sport entry so again for example guys you can take the over on spencer rattler parlayed with the under on tom brady parlayed with the over on nba mlb and also guys how many books do you know that have prop total plays for college sports there are not many spoiler price picks also has a slick easy to use mobile app both on the app store and google play and guys price picks is a 4.8 star rated app in the app store with rave reviews again guys why not make some money some cash this football season with our friends over at price picks go download that price picks app go to pricepicks.com use the promo code tsus at sign up to receive a 100 instant deposit match up to 100 and again we appreciate our friends over at price picks for their love and support of the spurs up show okay let's dive into it guys our top storylines for the 2022 football season for this defensive unit. And I start with the thing that made this unit so successful a season ago. And one of my top questions in regards to deeming success for Clayton White squad, do the takeaways continue? You had 24 a season ago, interceptions and fumbles combined. You're one of the best in the SEC. You had the SEC's leading interception man and Jalen Foster. And you look back, guys, at 2021. Turnovers played a major, major role, right? A major role in your success and getting to seven wins, especially when you look at the struggling offense from a season ago. Here's a crazy stat, by the way from our friends over at collegefootballnews.com. In the Gamecocks' last 22 ball games, South Carolina is just 2-20 and 20 when it does not force multiple turnovers. So you cannot tell me that turnovers are not a huge factor to this team's success on the defensive side. And that might sound like a no-duh type of stat, but it just goes to show how important that is. And the reason it's such a big storyline for me, guys, is this. And you look at, you know, can South Carolina rely on the takeaways again this year, right? You lose Jalen Foster, who was that leader in the back end. And 
I'm not going to sit here and tell you that turnovers are luck, right? Because it takes a lot of skill. It takes a lot of coaching. It takes film study. If you're a good defense and a good football player, you create your own luck, right? You're a good athlete. You create your own luck. You run into those opportunities and you take advantage of them. But some of turnovers is being right place, right time. And I just wonder, will this defensive unit be as good as they were a year ago if they cannot get the football off of people at the rate in which they did last season? I mean, I hate to compare regimes. I hate to compare these years, but I think back to the Muschamp era. And I think back to that 2017 season in which the Gamecocks won nine games, right? And they got the ball off of everybody, one of the best turnover margins in all of college football. You then go into 2018, and the season was nowhere near as good. And it looked like at least 2017 was a bit of a flash in the pan, a little bit of a smoke and mirrors type of season due to the turnovers you force. So, again, I am not saying there's going to be some major drop-off like that. I'm certainly not comparing the Beamer and the Muschamp eras. But for a defense that was so opportunistic a season ago, Will they be able to make a living forcing turnovers? And if they cannot force them at the rate, if maybe a Devani Reed is not a Jalen Foster, right? If they're not able to get the ball off of people the way they were a season ago, can this defense still be productive? And can it still stop teams at the rate in which it did last season? My other big storyline, guys, another big storyline for this season, because I got a bunch of them. Uh, this is something I feel like we talk about every single day, damn near on the Daily Crow, Right. Because it was such an eyesore, and, and it was so painful to watch last season. The Gamecocks' inability to stop the run. Because on paper, right, just at first glance, the defensive stats look really good. And you would say, Chris, I mean, this is a defense had a top 10 pass defense in all of college football. As Brad Lawing warned you all, as Brad Lawing warned us on these here airwaves, as a defensive coach, you never brag about your pass defense. You never brag about being top 10 in the country in pass defense because all you're telling people is you can't stop the run. And South Carolina certainly could not stop the run a season ago. They surrendered 175 yards per game. That ranked 11th in the SEC and 94th nationally. I think most of us feel pretty good about the secondary moving forward. Even with the loss of Jalen Foster, you have Cam Smith coming back. Darius Rush was solid last year and should be only improved. R.J. Roderick's a veteran player. And with all due respect, do we really feel like Devonnie Reed, there's a drop-off in regards to talent? Because Jalen Foster was a walk-on guy. So you've got pieces in that secondary where I think we would all say and agree that, you know, secondary, the pass defense should be solid. And again, will the run defense finally complement that pass defense, where will there at least be more of a balance, right? Because when it comes to defense and it comes to run defense versus pass defense, you want to be great in both, but you'd like to almost be even because when you're not good in run defense, when you're just getting a football ran down your throat, guys, it, it is such a demoralizing thing. I and mean, we talk about it offensively, right? When you can run the football at will, it is such a demoralizing thing to your opponent and it opens everything else up. I mean, it's really, truly astonishing that South Carolina was as good as they were a season ago and we're not able to stop the run any better than they did. So you feel like you've got the pieces up front, right? You're not a lead up there yet, but you've got enough pieces up front. The linebacker position has been such a, 
a question mark. You've got Sherrod Green coming back, which I'm going to get into in just a second. You've got some other players you've added the linebacker position, right? Will South Carolina be able to complement such a strong secondary in a pass defense? Will the run defense catch up? Will the run defense hold their own, hold up their end of the bargain? Because if they can, if they can, then you're really cooking on the defensive side. Or will it be more of the same in which it feels like, guys, it feels like, it feels like the Gamecocks have not been able to stop the run consistently since the Spurrier era. I mean, it really feels like it's been that long. So is this the year the run defense steps up? Is this the year some guys in the middle of that defense step up and play their best football and complement what should be a solid secondary and a solid pass defense? We shall see. Speaking of that secondary, my next big top storyline is the replacement of Jalen Foster. And I talked a lot about Devonnie Reed coming from Central Michigan. Can he fill that void of the departed Foster? Again, guys, you cannot speak enough to how valuable Foster was for this team a season ago. He led the Gamecocks in tackles with 96. And he also led this team and led the SEC in interceptions with five. This dude was all over the field. Yes, he was incredible in the past game. He also wasn't afraid to put his head down and get in the run game and put his face in the fan and made a stop when needed. Devonnie Reed, nice player coming from Central Michigan. We watched his film. I mean, I think he's got all the makings to be a guy that, you know, should be able to fill the role nicely and, and be a solid player for you. But anytime you're going from a Central Michigan to SEC ball week in, week out, there's going to be an adjustment. How quickly can he make the adjustment? And is he as good? Could he be better? Could he be better than Foster? But certainly you just do not want to see a drop-off at that safety position. That safety position is a question mark for South Carolina this year. Another top storyline for me, guys, going into the 2022 football season for the Gamecocks defense, and one of the most intriguing cases on this team. We sort of mentioned this with a different player on the Monday show, right? And it just feels like, you know, Recruits don't pan out, right? Not everybody pans out, right? There are four stars every single year that don't pan out. They don't live up to expectations for whatever reason, right? And, and you can live with that. You can live when three stars don't pan out. But at the University of South Carolina, when a five-star doesn't pan out, that hurts a little more because you just don't get enough five-stars on a year-in, year-out basis to miss on them. And the guy on the defensive side that, Let's call it for what it is, guys. He has not lived up to expectations. And he is rapidly, rapidly, if things don't change, approaching bust territory. And that is Jordan Birch, the local product from Hammond. Is he set for a breakout year? J.J. Enigbare is no more, right? Jordan Strawn looks to fill in and be the guy. But everything is set up for Jordan Birch to be a menace on the edge for the Gamecocks. And I think he's going to get every opportunity. Guys, this is a guy, let me remind you, that when you look at the all-time recruiting rankings, he is the highest-rated prospect the University of South Carolina has ever signed behind only Jadavion Clowney, who the only reason he wasn't higher than a 1.0000 is because the scale doesn't go any higher, Right? So when it comes to Birch, we feel like this guy with immense talent, it has not produced on the field. Just one sack in two years, guys. I got a good buddy of mine that works at the University of Georgia, works in recruiting, and he told me, Chris, if this kid ain't a first-rounder, y'all screwed up. So 
There's other teams that thought he was good too. I understand his high school talent he played against wasn't great, and so the questions were there. But when you look at his build, you look at his athleticism, this should be a dude as a junior in his third season. He should be ready to break out and be one of the most lethal players on this Gamecocks defense. I'm not even asking for that type of season for him. I mean, because the first two years have been so porous, I mean, just having a couple of sacks, I think would serve as a breakout season. But I just, I I really want to see more from Birch, man. Birch is, it's such a frustrating thing to talk about because you feel like you've got all this talent. You're a five-star. You're so highly touted. And we just have not seen it out of you. And Birch doesn't even have the injury excuse like a Marshawn Lloyd. He just hasn't played well. He just, ha- I mean, outside of guys, think about last year. Outside of the pick six against EIU, what did he do a season ago? Not a damn thing. It was Jordan Strawn that was making the plays on the edge. So you feel like if Birch can step up, if he can emerge, it can be a really nice duo on the edges with Birch and Strawn but I need to see it from Jordan, man. Is he set out for his breakout year? We feel like he's got the talent. Maybe, just maybe, this is the year he puts it all together. Uh, Another top storyline for me, guys, moving to the linebacker position. You know, one of the forgotten moments of the season a year ago, and something that certainly did not help this run defense and only hurt it, was Sherrod Green's injury in week three of the season when he went down with a leg injury against Georgia. He is now back, one of the most veteran players, one of the most tenured defensive guys. Again, it feels like he's been here for 10 years. But Sherrod Green returns in the middle of that defense. The Gamecocks normally guys at the linebacker position. I've talked a lot about linebacker that, I mean, it's just been a deficiency forever, and it just feels like for whatever reason, we just do not have an elite unit. We normally have one guy, right? The the Sky Moores, the Ernest Jones, the TJ Brunsons, what have you. But we do not have one, two, three across the board. That's not an area. I would not label us linebacker you. Let me put it that way. Can Sherrod Green now, with his return, Gamecock struggled to stop the run a year ago. How much does his return help? Because I think that was a big piece of it. I think a big piece of not being able to stop the run was Sherrod Green's injury. Does his return now, is he back to 110%? And how much does he help this run defense? And can he be the leader of that defense in the middle, by the way? Another big storyline, guys, moving to the secondary. I've gone this long in the show without mentioning somehow, some way. But this is the money year for Cam Smith, okay? As a junior, and it's crazy how quickly Cam went from you know, just kind of a nice player, a solid defensive back to guys, he's being regarded as one of the top, if not the top defensive back in all of college football. I mean, it is absolutely crazy, right? The love and the admiration and just the rankings and everything that Cam Smith is getting going to this season, but well-deserved when you look at how he played last year and certainly nobody throwing his side of the ball kind of reminds you of what J.C. Horn went through during his Gamecock career. But I'm excited to watch Cam Smith throughout this season. And Do teams challenge him? Do they look at him the same way they look at J.C. Horn? Or do we not hear Cam Smith's name for three or four weeks because he's literally just not getting thrown out? It's really fun when you've got a guy like a Smith on your team who's regarded as a first-round pick and one of the top players at his position in college football, and it should be a lot of fun to watch him lead that secondary yet again this year. And, guys, my final top storyline for the Gamecocks defense going into this season is this. And it's more so just a talking point and a thought, and maybe something we'll continue to banter about as we get closer to kickoff, but – 
I think what's so intriguing after last year is everyone just assumes the defense is going to improve. Everyone just assumes that when they look at this season, oh, the offense is the only question mark. We won't lose a game this season due to the defense. That's how it feels, at least, when I'm talking to people. Like, the defense is almost an afterthought in the sense that there is literally not a single care or worry in the world in regards to the defensive side. And I think that speaks to, obviously, the job that Clayton White did a season ago doing so much more with so little that he had to work with, the job that Jimmy Lindsey and Torian Gray and an entire defensive staff did in year one, and now you've added pieces. You feel like this is a more talented defense this year than it was a season ago, even with the losses of some of your big guys. You feel like you have more to work with. My question is this, though. Is it really just a given? Is it a no-brainer? that the defense is going to improve in year two of Clayton White. Because I I think there's some issues with this group that are forgotten. And I think that the rate in which this group forced turnovers masked some of the deficiencies that were most certainly there all season. Uh, Again, that is not me looking back at 2021 saying, oh, it was a fluke. You know, they, they weren't really that good. Because again, you put yourself in position to make those plays. But is it just as simple as, oh, the defense is now elite. Clayton White came in. He's a miracle worker. In one year, he turned the Gamecocks defense from hot dog water to an elite defense top of the conference. I don't know that the answer is quite that simple. And I'm just really curious to see this year how much of it had to do with right place, right time, getting turnovers, how much of it had to do with some of the opponents you played, or is South kind of really just now this is the new norm, like under Clayton White, the Gamecocks are going to be above average defensively. Excited to see. And again, by the way, I'm a huge fan of Clayton White. I'm a huge fan. I've communicated with Coach White before. Coach White, you were a freaking legend. I'm a huge fan of Clayton White, but I'm really excited to see this defense this year. And is there any sort of drop-off? Is there improvement? Does it stay the same? Guys, let's dive into why they'll be better and why they'll be worse, the Gamecocks defense going into this season. Why will the Gamecocks defense be better in 2022? I think South Carolina's defense could be better because the guys on the edge, on that defensive line, they finally emerge in stopping the run. The defensive line really as a whole emerges to complement the secondary, and the run defense will catch up to the pass defense. And I I think last year, guys, I mean, because, listen, the Gamecocks weren't great at getting after the quarterback either. You've got Jordan Strawn, who I think is a legitimate threat. Jordan Burt should be set for a breakout season. Terrell Dawkins on the edge as well, coming from NC State, should help you. I mean, again, you've got a lot of quality guys in depth. I haven't even mentioned Zach Pickens yet in the middle throughout this entire show. Rick Sandage, Tonka Hemingway, Alex Huntley. you got some big-time guys up front. They'll be better because of that experience returning and and being year two in Clayton White's defense, year two in that 4-2-5 system, a system that allows your athletes to play freely and play as athletes. If those edge guys, I think certainly, though, if they can emerge and they can come into their own, put pressure on the quarterback, play a big role in the run game, I think that will significantly improve this defense. Now, why will the Gamecocks defense be worse, or why could they be worse in this season? And it's really simple, and what's wild is that the problems on the defensive side of the ball are the same as that on the offensive side. It's line of scrimmage. Why they could be worse, the run defense just continues to struggle. You can't stop the run to save your life yet again. 
And then Jalen Foster's departure, guys, hurting more than we think. Again, I think we all just say, well, Torian Gray, look what he did last year. He's a miracle worker. Devonnie Reed will just come in and play great football, and we won't feel any of the effects of Jalen Foster not being here. But what if it's a greater void than we're giving credit to? I mean, again, guys, we're talking about a guy in Jalen Foster led this team in tackles with 96 and had five picks. I mean, he was a very, very significant player on this defense a season ago. I don't know that it's just a given that Devonnie Reed comes in and slides in and up. Oh, he's just as good, if not better, than Jalen Foster. I don't know if, again, the answer is quite that simple. So I think Foster's departure, the run defense continuing to be an eyesore, I think that could be a reason South Carolina's defense takes a step back this season, if it does. On that note, let's move into season will be successful if what will spell a successful season for the Gamecocks defense in this upcoming year. And again, it's something we talk about each and every single day, I feel like, but it's this simple. The season will be successful if the rush defense can complement the pass defense. Guys, I feel confident in saying the secondary will do their job. Will they be top 10 nationally again? Probably not. Probably not. But you know what? I'd actually rather that be the case because, again, as Brad Lawing pointed out, if you're top 10 nationally in pass defense, all that that really means, teams didn't have to throw on you, man. They were just able to hand off, hand off, hand off, run, 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 run. You look at the games you lost, you got ran all over. Can that rush defense hold up there into the bargain, make teams throw the football more? You might give up more yardage, but you're not going to have teams running the ball down your throat and demoralizing you, which I think led to a couple of those big-time blowouts. If you can't stop the run and you can't run the football, you can't control the line of scrimmage, you're going to get your ass beat, bottom line. So, for me, all about that defensive line taking the next step, that run defense taking the next step in year two of Clayton White. Season will be successful if the rush defense hold up your end of the bargain, complement what should be a solid secondary. You do that, I think the Gamecocks will have a well balanced defense, and I think that will spell success. Again, notice I did not mention any statistics or anything. Um, I, I think those will take care of themselves as you can stop the run. All right, guys, with that being said, finally, let's move into my prediction for the Gamecocks 2022 defense. And, and like I said, there's a lot of intriguing storylines, and, and I go into this season optimistic about the defensive side, but cautiously optimistic because I don't think folks are giving enough credit to the losses you had on this side. And you return a lot of guys. But again, I just wonder, does the ball bounce your way again? Do those turnovers fall in your lap? Turnovers played a major role, guys, in your success a season ago. And if you cannot get those, if you cannot get those at the rate, what happens, guys? You forced 24 last year, 24 interceptions and recovered fumbles. What if you only get 12? What if you only get 15? Will you still be able to make a living? Will you still be able to be a solid defense. With that being said, my prediction for this group, I don't know that the turnovers come at that rate that you have because, again, that was a crazy number. But I do think this defense will be solid yet again. I think they're about the same. I could see a slight improvement. 23 points per game is what I'm putting it at. I think Jordan Strawn will be a breakthrough player for you. I love Jordan Strawn's game. I think he could be a six-and-a-half or seven-sack guy for you. He's a long, lean, quick, athletic player. I think he has a huge year. I do think the return of Sherrod Green 
will help the running defense. I don't think their your rush defense will be great. But again, you look at a rush defense that last year finished uh, 11th in the SEC and 94th nationally. If you can get to seventh, if you could finish at the halfway point, I think that would be a major improvement. I think Green's return, as long as he can stay healthy throughout the entire year, that should boost you immensely. And then I think Cam Smith in the secondary. I do think he will lead uh, strong secondary play yet again. I, I don't think pass defense will be like a major deficiency or anything. I think it'll be a much more balanced defense in regards to, I don't think you're going to see teams just run the ball down our throat because we can't stop the pass. So we might give up some more yards. I don't think we'll be top 10 nationally, but I think points per game will stay the same. I think this unit is solid. I trust Clayton White. The pieces he added, again, you look at it, guys. Clayton White did more with less last year, and I would say he has more talent this year. Than he had a season ago. So who knows? Maybe this group makes takes a, a major stride and the turnovers keep coming. But I am confident saying, if nothing else, this unit will be about it, what, what it was last year. I think you'll be a little better stop in the run. Points per game be about the same, but a group that should be solid yet again. So guys, hey, that's going to do it. That is my breakdown, my season preview of the Gamecocks defense heading into 2022 football season. We'd love to hear your thoughts. What do you think about the defense? What are your top storylines? Do you think they'll be better? They'll be worse? What are your thoughts on my prediction? What will spell a successful season? How do you feel about Clayton White's squad going into this upcoming season? So, again, would love to hear from you all and your thoughts, and I know we'll banter about it all week long and over the next 52 days as we approach kickoff. Guys, before we get out of here, a couple quick news and notes to get into. First things first, we are less than a week away until Shane Beamer speaks at SEC Media Days next Tuesday. The participants, the gentlemen who will join him, have been announced. Offensive lineman Jovan Gwynn, wide receiver to carry on Joyner, and defensive lineman Zach Pickens will all accompany Coach Beamer to Atlanta, Georgia at the College Football Hall of Fame. Yes, I know what the initial reaction is. No Spencer Rattler. And listen, I know many of you are probably tuning in saying, Chris, I think it was a great idea he's not going. And listen, I'm happy for all three of the guys who are going to SEC media days, right? These are all guys who have paid their dues. They went through a coaching change. They stayed when they could have transferred. They're all veteran players. And you know what? I tip my cap to them, and I'm happy all three are going. I say that, and I also simultaneously say, yes, I am bummed that Spencer Rattler will not be there. I'm selfishly bummed from the content side because there would have been some golden quotes from him. And I'm just bummed because, guys, I feel like, listen, Spencer Rattler is not bigger than the program. Point blank, bottom line. He's not bigger than the program. But he is the face of the program. He is the most notable and most high-profile guy on this roster. And it would have been great to hear from him and have him go lead the charge for the Gamecocks at SEC Media Days. Again, I'm not hating on who Beamer's taking. Beamer ball to the moon. I trust Shane Beamer. But... I think you can be happy for the guys that are going and also a little bit bummed out that our starting quarterback won't be there. But either way, Gwen, Joyner, Pickens, that is who will go with Shane for next Tuesday and very excited for Tuesday, man. SEC Media Day's talking season. I mean, it really is the official, unofficial kickoff to the season each and every single year, and it's something I have loved as long as I can remember. So really excited for that next Tuesday. Also, guys, finally, uh, on the baseball side of things, the Yardcocks did pick up a nice commitment, by the way, from a transfer right in a pitcher from Notre Dame, Roman Kimball. And this is a guy, you look at his stats, guys, went, I believe, uh, let's see, I think 4-0 and or 5-0. and I got it pulled up right here. 
He went 4-0 with a 5.76 ERA in 25 innings pitched, also had 32 strikeouts, and he was a true freshman last year, and that's for a Notre Dame team, guys, that went to Omaha. He's also a mid-90s guy from the right side in the bump. So, you know, listen, I, I know we all feel we feel about Kingston, but give credit where credit's due. This is a good pickup, and I think he should boost that bullpen. And I think if nothing else, the pitching side of things, the pitching is going to be great. The pitching is going to be really good in 2023. Ken South going to swing it? That's just going to be the question. I know we're going to have plenty of time to preview the baseball season and talk baseball when we get to that point. But uh, this is a solid pickup on the bump. So kudos to that staff for getting him to come to South Carolina. Guys, hey, that's going to do it all for me. Appreciate you all tuning in. Like I said, stay tuned to all the content this week. No Daily Crow today, tomorrow, or Friday. Podcast will resume and will be as normal on Friday. But, uh, again, content bleeding out the eyeballs. And, again, guys, I appreciate you all being understanding. Thank you all so much for your continued love and support on the merchandise side of the business, the content, the live show, the podcast, everything, man. I cannot say thank you enough. I cannot express enough gratitude what y'all mean to us and the business and, and everything, man. It just means the world. So thank you all so much. Appreciate you all tuning in. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and we will talk to you on Friday. Friday.